0: Monaco & Culture is brought to you in association with the all-electric 2024 Cadillac Lyric. Magnificence, electrified. The Cadillac Lyric delivers a sporty, responsive and agile drive that makes every mile a milestone. This groundbreaking Ultium EV battery platform fundamentally changes how electric vehicles are engineered delivering charging and power storage technologies that fit seamlessly into far-reaching journeys and daily commutes. The Lyric is a vehicle that balances the central and the technical in masterful harmony, where rhythm, form and colour unite. From emergency braking to intelligent alerts, parking assistance to vehicle monitoring, the Cadillac Smart System suite of safety and driver assistant features, standard on the Lyric, means you'll drive with added confidence. While innovations like available Super Cruise driver assistance technology and Google built-in set a new standard for technical prowess. Take the next step. Head to cadillac.com now to configure your car. The all-electric 2024 Cadillac Lyric. Magnificence electrified.
1: Hello and welcome to Monocle on Culture, I'm Robert Bounds. On today's programme, we're reviewing Todd Field's new film, Tar the story of a fated conductor and her rather unceremonious undoing. Tarr tells the story of Lydia Tarr, protégé of Leonard Bernstein and now leader of the Berlin Philharmonic, a conductor of incredible talent and at the height of her career. But the life of Lydia Tarr, played expertly by Kate Blanchett, begins to unravel both personally and professionally. And as the downward spiral picks up speed, into its orbit are brought crucial and controversial questions of our time. The film becomes a portrayal of an unrelenting character and a meditation on cancel culture and the Me Too movement. Blanchett's character is undoubtedly an extraordinary talent, but at what cost? Where lies the collateral damage of artistic genius? Critics appear almost unanimous in their praise of Blanchett in the role, and undoubtedly she has spun her conductor's baton to whip up an Oscar buzz already. But are our critics in agreement about whether Tar really does shine? Does Tar hit any bum notes? Well, I'm joined to discuss this by the film critics Jason Solomons and Ashanti Omkar, but let's start with a bit of a trailer which gives a flavour of who we're in the company of with Lydia Tarr.
2: Time is the thing. Time is the essential piece of interpretation. You cannot start without me. I start the clock. However, unlike
3: a clock, sometimes my second hand stops, which means time stops. Until I once again decide to raise that hand, the time is allowed to continue
1: marching along her very merry way. Oh, well, that was a daunting stentorian slice of Cate Blanchett as Lydia Tarr. In the topic for discussion today, Tar. and Jason, I'm going to start with you. Welcome back to the programme, by the way. Tarr, lovely very much. You. <laughs> hey, lovely to have you back. Is this a film about classical music? Is this a film simply about power? What are we what are we looking at?
3: Yeah, I think I mean it is unreservedly and unashamedly about classical music and it's brilliant to see a film that does it. I love films that are about jazz music and they have to be about jazz. They can't mm-hmm. soft focus the jazz because people don't like jazz. Classical music really is to the fore here and it sounds fabulous. I urge people to see it in the cinema where there's a decent sound system because it is absolutely about the, the purity of music and every note sounds fantastic. So it's recorded in the most beautiful way. Uh, so I would urge you to do that. I'm not a huge classical music expert in any way uh, but I love music and this made me fall in love with the, the the energy of music because we're in the hands of a great conductor Lydia Tarr played by Kate Blanchett who clearly understands the passion of music and the passion of languages and here she really brings you into the music when you see her conducting you understand the music so it's a very interesting way into music we've seen so many films about prodigies and genius violinists or genius Mm. pianists, but to have a conductor whose job is to sort of bring you into the music and make you feel the music that's what this film does brilliantly um, among many other things
1: Yeah, I mean, this could have been a movie about a film director, I suppose The, the, the kind of person, the overarching organizational and f- force of the vibe of, of something, I suppose. We'll come on to I'd like to talk to, to you both specifically about some of the music in the film and about the usage of music. But Ashanti, I wonder if you can set the scene a little bit in terms of the atmosphere that Todd Fields created in this movie. We're in some beautiful, serene, often rather modern and stark environments, but what what's the overarching feel of Tar?
2: Well For me, growing up studying classical music and being around a world that was very, very male-centric, this felt like he took and etched a a man's story but flipped it Mm -hmm. and gave it to a woman. And that's something that uh, really stood out to me because I know we'll be talking about this much, much later, but, you know, Classic FM had said that only one in eight conductors are women around the world in terms of top conductors. And when you look at the disparity between male and female in that world, it's interesting that he has actually got a woman whose character that she wants to be a man. You know, she, she's, she kind of says that she's the father of mm. this child. And interestingly, he, he's... He's picked a story that we just haven't quite seen from the Me Too movement because you rarely see the woman's perspective of a woman who takes that kind of power. He's given her this pristine environment, like the most beautiful kind of loft apartment in, in Berlin. It's
3: very monocle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shot on location somewhere, probably in Zurich. <laughs>
2: well,
1: in Absolutely. Berlin, as it happens. But yeah.
2: Yes, exactly. And, <laughs> and, you know, she is precise. Her suits are you know, pristine, everything about her is that she's composed. She's a, <laughs> she's, she's a maestro who is totally composed, but you see her unravelling. It's almost like they give her that, let's give you, get you into this world, you're going to love this world, it's so beautiful, it's so zen, and then it unravels. And this is what's so beautiful about what he's done with this film and also what's got everyone talking about it because not everybody feels that this is a film that... For a lot of people, it feels like an anti-feminist film because they're saying you've taken the one, you know, there are so few female conductors in the world. Men do all the things she does all the time and have done historically. But what you've done is that you've you push this on a woman and now people are going to be scared of women in power because quite often a woman like her would be considered aggressive but if there was a man like her he'd be considered really good at his job. And <laughs> this is something that comes up in the dialogue at the very start of this film. Yeah. And that's that again is part of that scene scene setting for me is that they are taking us on that journey and that journey is disturbing but it's also very beautiful. Do you think do you think the spaces
3: are quite masculine you, know, you were talking about the, the, the atmosphere the sort the of place, architecture the, of the architecture film. I, yeah. it didn't occur to me now until Ashanti which is why we have Ashanti because she brings the the the, the feminist perspective to it mm. obviously it's about that and she's in her I, mean, I love her outfit her, yeah, her tailoring beautiful tailoring yeah I yeah. mean I would wear all of those things yeah. uh, but even the spaces those kind of you know those uh, modern concert halls that are sort of beautifully hewn from the finest wood they are the angular they're clean arid spaces are they maybe they're they're, they're the spaces made by masculine architects in order to kind of house these kind of beautiful acoustics. So I'm wondering if that, if if she brings any softness to it whatsoever, which you, I don't think she really does. No, it uh, brings a hardness true. to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, well, it's a really interesting perspective, Shanti, and that sort of feminist reading of the film, or simply putting a woman in a man's role, yeah. is kind of one of the kind of one of the dolls in this, one of the retroshka of this film, I suppose. There are so many arguments within arguments within arguments, and you interestingly point out that right at the beginning of the film, she's in conversation. In fact, that clip is taken from from the beginning of the very beginning of the film where a, a sort of new yorker preface of a, a lengthy new yorker style preface is sort of read out and then it cuts to adam gotnick from the new yorker playing himself and and
3: adam i mean yeah that's probably the most anyone's got paid for a q and a <laughs> you know you've kind of reached somewhere when you can yeah. play yourself in the biggest I'm film like, of the yeah, year as, on, a, as a my, journo I'm getting an agent very quickly for those Q&As I'm sure yeah. do uh, it Solomon <laughs> but it's a great Q&A and it's yeah. really dense you know yeah. it starts this is a film that doesn't you know, you know screenwriting. it's a written piece that is almost being read out yes it? and, and you're screenwriting yeah. well, where's your inciting incident I mean it goes on for like 15-20 minutes this q and mm. I, I was absolutely wrapped by I mean, me a, too it's one of, of, of my favourite bits I loved it oddly the craft of it the journal List at the spot at the fore, <laughs> you know, doing an interview and getting yeah. some laughs from the big audience. But yeah. I thought it was absolutely gripping what she was saying, and mm. I was hanging on every word. But then we, you know we like that sort of thing, you know. And, we are and her supreme
2: audience. confidence. This is where it's beautiful because you see that this is a woman who is on top of the world. She is the maestro. Everybody's bowing down mm. to her, and she knows it. And again, we don't really see a lot of women who exude that kind of confidence in roles. They're not 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 often written for. Women. And I love the fact that Kate Blanchett, who can epitomize such a role, is the one who was, you know, the role was written for her. Mm-hmm. He spent 10 years crafting this role. Uh, you know, and I love that about uh, Todd Field, who he he had an accident trying to regale her agent. I don't know if you know this story, but he actually desperately wanted Kate. Kate's agent says to him while he's driving that she's not available for another three years. He has an accident. And the agent then feels a bit sorry for him and said, when you get back and get, you know, you're slightly better, send us the script, I will show it to Kate and we'll see whether she takes it. I and should affect how... a, a limp
1: more often. <laughs> I think <they're laughs> quite Well, limp that's the way to do it, Rob. right? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. That's a good, good fact. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there a is a lot that. of it. It's a fantastic thing, 10 years of writing and yes. organising going into this film feels like like it as well. It does feel like the bespoke suit from which this film
3: is made I suppose as well. Uh, I, you mentioned I, that she, that people are tipping Kate Blanchett for Oscars. They were at Venice where this yeah. film premiered and she went on to win Best Actress at the Venice Film Festival. That's often a sort of beginning of the red carpet from mm. Lido to Los Angeles where they kind of win everything along the way. Yeah. You'd When you see it you're just like well yeah. I mean yeah. no one could have done that role better. Yes. She does it so well. You have to believe in that intelligence that's coming from her. She has to be able to speak German and French. She does them both faultlessly. Mm. It requires a, a steely intelligence from the actress to be playing someone as formidably intelligent as Lydia Tarr. And she does more than pull it off. I mean, it's perfect, oh, yes. pitch perfect.
2: The, the amount of effort Kate Blanchett has put into this role, I mean, she's, she's kind of been very, in, in interviews, she's kind of said, Oh, I'm sure no one wants to know how much I put into it. But then you find out that she went, she had schoolgirl German and she polished mm-hmm. it into German that commands the room. You know, she went and, and and studied with conductors so she could shift that baton and make time literally move. That's that's what she did mm. with every one of those scenes. Which, again, and, and also I love the fact that it was very nuanced in the way she unravels because you you have to watch it carefully. You might need to see it again to kind of pick up on all those little psychological nuances that you see. Mm. I wanted to
1: watch it as soon as I left the screening room. Actually, you want to see it again? I kind of wanted to. Yeah, I went. Home <laughs> Home. and we can talk about what what other films it made us think of. But it, I sort of wanted to exist. I wanted to live in its sort of. He just wanted her apartment. Comet tail. I wanted certainly. <laughs> I wanted her art collection in her apartment. Definitely. And yes. her car. Oh. Yeah, exactly.
2: The Porsche. Yes. Yeah. And also, I love the fact that they used a real orchestra. So they so used the Dresden the, Philharmonic, yes, was it? The, yeah, the Philharmonic orchestra, because they actually didn't say we'll use extras. They didn't say we'll go and pick disparate people. They picked an orchestra that was al- already working in Germany and they had them work work with her on it, mm-hmm. which I thought again was a was a touch that made this film feel so so good. And that's this is why I think there's so many awards that are coming at it, <laughs> because they've gone through so much detail. And she actually worked in, in the UK. Natalie Marie Beale is a conductor, mm-hmm. and she actually went to Abbey Road and worked with Natalie to learn how to to do this technique. Technique. it's called the stick technique to actually do that with a baton and that's why she looks so real in this role because we've been to concerts and we've seen how a conductor conducts orchestras very rarely do you see a woman actually I have to say in my entire lifetime of, of going to concerts I haven't seen that many women doing it and this was Kate an actress not even you know not even a musician who went and took piano lessons and learned the stick technique what can I say? <laughs> Just I didn't you know
3: what I, I hadn't known that that conducting was, I didn't go to enough classical music concerts, I didn't know that conducting was such a male preserve, and I've got no reason to doubt it from seeing this, but obviously it is from what I've read and from your reaction too, mm-hmm. uh, and there is there is a, a, a conductor called Marin something. Also, yes. yes, Marin yes. Alsop. Yes, who sort of said, well, it's, that's a, it seems to have taken it that this is about her, yeah. but, but so rare are the female conductors that anyone would assume that it would be yeah. uh, about them, and I, I'm, I'm not sure it is at all, but uh, I think that that's a really powerful a house of Cards to be sort of toppling over. It's one of those last bastions that I didn't know about and I thought that was a really fresh way in yes. to discussing politics, sexual politics, power politics yeah. within the arts world yeah. as well because the arts world tends to, you know, it tends to get away with it sometimes yes. and yet it's also <laughs> well, been me
1: it's too. It's created and... around a lot of the myth yeah. of the genius right, and the exactly. men being able to do what they want with who they want because
3: they're, they're, te- they're... oh, I'm teaching her.
1: Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm grooming you, her. Yeah,
3: <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And the, the power you yeah. hold over the orchestra is, yes. is key. But there's the key exactly. that the first violinist who she's got mm. a relationship with, played by Nina Hoss. Yes, she's so brilliant. Yeah. She's so brilliant. I love Nina Hoss, anyway. Mm. I mean, I you know, the, this is such a... It's so well upholstered. I mean, we talked about the interiors of the film being sort of well upholstered and beautifully kind of beach wood. But, I mean, also the, the cast, you know, it's Naomi Merlon, it's yeah. Nina yes. Hoss. It's kind of the crème de la crème yeah. of European acting talent. Talent—it's like it's, he's waiting for that to come along. Yeah,
1: I felt actually that it felt like it was a, um, a French or a German movie that I was, or a Danish movie that I was watching without yeah. subtitles more than a, a Hollywood movie. Actually, yes. that felt uh, it, just the, the, in, the sorts of interiors, the interactions that the characters have with each other, the sort of acting, the sort of speech was the sort of thing that normally is, is contained for me in German or Danish subtitles or something. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean, Jason? Yeah. No, 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 it's okay. super classy. It's yeah. super classy. I mean, yeah. it's
2: like a prestige kind of lesbian movie, like Carol or mm. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And these are Mm. sort sort of films I I was kind of thinking, oh, this has that feel to it. It was just done with such kind of precision, just like her role was etched with such precision. And interestingly, this is a role of a woman who came from Staten Island the backstory of Lydia Tarr, yeah. who is not real. I've just got to keep saying this to people, that she doesn't exist in real life. So a lot of real, other
1: real. reviewers, <laughs> and there's been re- almost reviews of other people's reviews of this, such as this feeding frenzy for cinephiles, people that love it, <laughs> that a lot of people have regarded, sort of felt that it's easier to take her as a real-life character to critique the movie and how she behaves in the movie, almost. I'd like to ask you both about the sort of, I suppose, one of the linchpin scenes. But this takes place... Lydia Tarr is, unsurprisingly, a visiting professor at Juilliard School. This is a big scene. Jason, I'd like to ask you about this first. First where I mentioned in the in the introduction and people will be aware of this by now that there are discussions about sort of the Me Too movement and about cancel culture and all the rest of it and this is the scene that sets up these things. We hear a little bit of it in the in the sort of tone of the discussion at the beginning with Adam Gopnik and Lydia Tarr but this is where she sort of dresses down a student who doesn't like Bach. He's a cis white male who had 20 children and he, he as a, a person of colour of, is sort of offended by this. What do we think of that scene and how that's written and how that's performed? Warmed, I wonder, because it's very central oh, I didn't, to the I didn't film. know that about Bach, by the way. Uh, that, that he, he was that a, he's sort of cancelable, such or whatever, a, you know? he's such a <laughs> l- legend in bed, legend, yeah, exactly. Who knew?
3: <laughs> I mean, he's, he says, and they take the show off
1: the air,
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but you never know, you know. The, the whole question is, you mm. know, we, you know, people say now, oh, you know, we can't have Woody Allen films because of this, and they say, well, you know, what about you know, some ancient artists or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. that calling into this, Bach, you know, oh, I don't know the, the the foibles of the classical genii yeah. of, of the past, but obviously, Bach was obviously a, a naughty boy not a musical genius this young student sort of says I mean isn't a bark?" well he's clearly a real red rag to Lydia Tarr it's, she's offended on a moral level because it she kind of uh, understands the foibles of genius and what where that might lead the proclivities of it or she's like well don't be so bloody stupid <laughs> you know yeah. it's Bach doesn't it, you know yeah we've settled that argument
1: she tries to teach she sits him down at the piano this this yeah. Yeah. slightly uppity student or he's nervous as well and she's she and that's I find that profoundly moving actually when she actually opens the Opens yeah. the. She puts her fingers on the keys and starts playing, and she's she says, "Bass music is a. You think it's not an answer, it's a question. It's constantly asking questions. And the way that she plays that is beautiful. I found there was a prick of tears in my eyes when you actually hear. There's so much discussion about music. I think that's the first time in the film, other than the very low
3: soundtrackery, it's, that you actually hear music. It's played. quite an amazing scene because it all. It's quite early on, I yeah. think. I, I mean, we have this opening scene which we've discussed, this big sort yes. of Q and A session, mm. which is kind of long, and then you're there's quite a lot right.
1: of longer isn't it, and then, and then what, it gets more happens, thrillery, that, doesn't it? comes
3: another scene where you're like oh okay this is all so long and it's yeah. kind of involved they're talking quite in detail about Bach and movement and mm. music and she's being a master class a maestra class yeah. so you know it, it, it's another bold scene to juxtapose it from the you know you're thinking where's the car chase coming in where's the explosion? <laughs> come on yeah, exactly. and you were on set Ashanti you, you yeah, exactly. you know the decisions how are they possibly going to get up that rope ladder <laughs> into the helicopter
2: <laughs> I, I really wish, wish I was on set because I was really fascinated at how brick by brick they kind of built this whole you universe for Mm -hmm. us because you know they're they're making a short film with some of the characters also that's going to be coming out soon so I feel like because the legend of Lydia Tarr is now out there And people want her to be a real character. I think they can build out of this. But one thing she said to the Juilliard students when she said, don't be so eager to be offended. Mm. We live around the cancel Mm. culture and we live around people who are offended all the time. I, I myself sometimes, if someone questions my identity that I have kind of very carefully crafted for myself in a very long time and somebody questions it, I'm like... Don't question it. This is who I say I am.
3: Send them to me as well if they question your identity. <laughs> you're like, I will. <laughs> I will. beat them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, but, but this again, I felt like, you know, you're seeing a story about power and you can see the power she has on those young, young people. You can see the power she has on the orchestra. You can see the power she has on every woman she kind of preys on. But you don't really see her doing it. It's shown, it's inferred, Mm. and that's something I really liked. And like Jason said, that it feels like a thriller because you know she's done something. You know she's doing these things. You don't really see them, and that, I felt, was very clever. Yeah,
1: well, does Lydia Tarr, does she attain her status and does she maintain that status and push ever upward by accepting things that she's offered because we see a lot of reaction shots of her, you know, the first cellist who comes in and then she, who she fancies, and then this becomes this cellist is therefore elevated I say therefore is elevated yeah. or is she or is Lydia Tarr is she taking what she's offered or is she constantly pushing for more and that's why some of the subplot which we won't give away obviously for spoiler reasons but nefarious doings
3: you know faithful doings well, yeah, addition, we can't which, really which, give away because some of them are open to interpretation yeah. and like you said that's why it's such an important scene this Juilliard scene because I've been been a student and I've been at the feet of maestros I've been at a Stephen Sondheim masterclass mm. Ian McKellen masterclass and these kind of great figures come along and you're sort of listening as an eager student going every word they say is valuable, every minute of their time is valuable. Oh. And it is. And you sort of sit there and you'll you take anything. You know, when Ian McKellen puts his hand on your shoulder and says, dear yeah, boy, that's marvellous. I know, it's good
2: stuff, isn't it? Uh, when he, I interviewed Ian McKellen,
3: he said, do you want to come downstairs and see Gandalf's star?
2: <laughs> what? <laughs> he did.
1: He did. <laughs> You see? And it's it's the stuff. But we're not so, cancelling Ian right now. Of course, it's all fine. Well, I think he knew the tone in which he was saying oh. it and the, the
3: ironic way in which it was said. Yeah, so these things can spill a bit. Also, yes. they have great power. You know, yes. you are in charge of an orchestra. You can anoint... A new violinist, you have great power to promote. Mm. You have that as a producer. You have that as a director in the film business or in the theatre. Yes. People are genuinely keen to get on in their world. And I mm. think those are the things that this film builds very carefully and, and quietly. She has great sway and yes. great power and people will be prepared to to trample over friends they will be prepared to do anything, anything for it exactly
2: mm. and it, it felt a lot like the kind of the whole Harvey Weinstein thing that we have seen unravel in front of us this felt a lot like that because it it's almost like they took it they just changed it into a lesbian woman who is doing the very similar things and like Jason quite rightly pointed there are people who are wanting to get into that industry so badly that they'll do anything to get there also and there's two sides to that story that, you know, again, I think that's what's got this conversation. The fact that we're dedicating this much time for it is, is because of that.
1: Oh, I wish we had longer. I wish we had longer. We're almost at the point where I'm going to ask you what it made you think of. But I've got one little quick question. I've got so many questions. have got a whole A4 question, uh, a page of questions, none of which have been touched. But I wanted to ask you about the sort of dichotomy. There are two worlds in this film. There's the, as Jason says, there's the sort of beautifully, the beautiful architecture, the serenity, the beautiful apartment cars, the precision of the, the, the instruments, the playing of them, all of that stuff, the solid kind of unimpeachable backbone of the canon and all the rest of it as well. And then you've got the, the new world, of Wikipedia entries which can be doctored and smartphone footage which can be doctored and written over and all the rest of it and you have this sort of old world and new world and these worlds are constantly colliding in this film, I think brilliantly so I wonder what your take, Ashanti what you you think of that, the kind of these two worlds constantly clashing and grinding up against each
2: other A 100% because from almost get-go you see that there's text messages coming, you Mm. can't read exactly what they're saying but you know there's something, because you can see her reactions Kate Blanchett is just such a brilliant and actress, you can see on her face that there are things that she's typing back and I've seen this on the tube you might see somebody who's looking really angry at their phone (laughs) typing and that's what it reminded me of and exactly what you say about this old and new world because you get to see that these are modern students that she's teaching she's not even she's like going to be 50 years old she's not even 50 years old so this is a woman of today she's a woman of 2023 who is trying to or 2022 who is trying to make sense of her life she has come to a point where she thinks that isn't a gender disparity in the world of classical music. So in her world, it's, it's, she's got to that point where she thinks, well, no, I, this is all about my talent.
3: Jason, the films of Michel Haneke... Discuss well. They made this made me think of a a very Hanukkah, particularly the piano teacher, obviously with sort of classical austere setting, which in which Isabelle Huppert plays a a very sort of self harming piano teacher. In that one, you've got Hidden, which has the school scene and the school uh, children in there and the past coming back. You've also got Happy Ending, and still got the thriller element, but you've got that cool, that cool, crisp cinematography, that kind of clean lines. But you've also in Happy Ending, uh, Michael Haneke's probably least successful film, most recent film. A lot of that plays. Out on a mobile phone, and it's someone. Mm. Uh, the, the, the opening scene is shot through a mobile phone, uh, like it is here. It's almost, I, I would say, there's sort of Hanukkah homage going yeah. on here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, that she, I mean, Hanukkah was pretty sitting there going, "Oh, I wanted to make this film." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, I, t- I couldn't agree more. It's got, and it's, got, it's got that
1: sort of sheen of premium European cinema about it as well, right? And it's subject matter. Yeah, it's, it's totally in that world. Isn't yeah. It? I mean, yeah. So
3: to the point where you might say, well, Todd Field's earlier films didn't really look like this. He's obviously sort of taken Hanukkah lessons and he's gone. To yeah. take, but if you're going to take lessons from anyone, take it from, well, I believe, a high maestro of European art cinema, who yeah. is Michael Hanukkah.
1: Yeah, beautiful. Ashanti, we're going drumming.
2: We are. I I had to cite uh, Whiplash because when I was watching this film and as a child who, in some ways, I didn't choose to study classical music. So I was, you know, my parents brought me up in I I grew up in Nigeria, so they had this idea. Nigeria hadn't banned uh, corporal punishment at that point, and even after they did, it carried on. So when I saw Whiplash, I had been very triggered by it because that is how I learned so many things in my life. I, how I learned to speak my parents' language, or how I learned, you know, how with music, my my dad had tasked me with one hour Western classical, one hour Eastern classical. You've got to do this every day, and no exception. We will be having our siesta, but we will be listening. <laughs> and, so there's know, a bit so of you're... shine
1: in there as well, yeah. <laughs> the David got <Helfgott, laughs> Yes, right, yeah.
2: exactly. And when I when I saw Whiplash, I really felt that, you know, what, what Miles Teller goes through or, or his character goes through was something that I had gone through. And in this, I could see that with Lydia Tarr, this is what she has gone through as a child too. She has, we don't know the exact backstory, but whatever she was running from, and there's one scene with her mother also that we, we, we get to see that it's a very fractional, relationship. So, so we know that this is a woman who has gone through putting herself through that. To get very good at classical music, you have to really put in not just time, but there's a lot of, I, I would say, emotional pressure. Mm. And with Asian parents, and I'm saying East Asian, South Asian parents, they want you to put yourself through that. They believe that that's a mark of success. And in Whiplash, this is what it is. He He wants to be this you know, it, it felt like a horror film, but actually, mm-hmm. here's a guy who just wants to be the best he can be.
1: My thanks to Ashanti Omkar and Jason Solomon's And Tar is out in cinemas now. Monocle on Culture is produced by Sophie Monaghan-Coombs and Steph chung Thanks to this week's studio manager, Sarah Nickel, as well. We'll be back at the same time next week, but until then, from me, Robert Bound, thanks for tuning in. <laughs>